You're listening to the Kilcullen Diary Podcasts. Stories in sound from a village grown bigger. Hello, I'm Brian Byrne. Lent has started, and in around six weeks it'll be Good Friday. And that's always a day that brings back memories. Good Friday was always a special day in the family pub, The Hideout. Being one of just two days in the year when the pubs in Ireland closed, it was when there was a chance to get things done that couldn't easily be managed during the rest of the year. While there were no customers on the Friday commemorating the crucifixion, the place was always abuzz with activity. It was the day when cleaning and painting could be done, when the artefacts that decorated the walls and the shelves were taken down to be dusted and cleaned in whatever way was appropriate. It was the day when the tiles on the floors of the bar and the kitchen could be replaced, when new carpets could be laid, when, occasionally, even walls could be knocked down to change the layout of the place or expand at one year into a new lounge area built out the back. Paddy Bath, who had usually done most of that building work, was a mighty man with a sledgehammer on those particular Good Fridays. It was a day of scrubbing, painting and papering and since there was generally more work to be done than might be easily managed by those of us who normally worked there, it was a day when there was always a call for volunteers from amongst the regulars. There was never a shortage of answers to that call. Some of the most unlikely among the regular customers claimed skills with paintbrushes, carpentry tools and more for Good Friday some of which claims proved not to be well-founded as the day wore on. A number of the volunteer workers became supervisors at the bar counter rather quickly. Funny thing, we always knew which ones they'd be, and yet their bona fides were accepted each year anyhow. Oh yes, I do remember the names, but we'll be kind with anonymity. There were jobs that no one particularly wanted, Among the worst was scrubbing the ceilings with sugar soap to remove the nicotine of a year prior to repainting. If that wasn't done, the nicotine would burn through the new paint within weeks. Which maybe was one reason I never smoked, figuring that it wasn't doing much good to the lungs of the smokers who caused the brown staining of the ceiling. Scrubbing it was dirty, wet, eye-stinging if you didn't wear goggles against the splashes from overhead and it was hell on the arms. The next least popular task was cleaning the artefacts, the heads, the ancient tools and weapons, the extraordinary bric-a-brac which had accumulated over the decades and made the pub such a fascinating place. The solid surface items were okay, probably polished up several times during the year in quiet hours anyway. The animal heads were less so, full of dust a lot of which was likely cigarette ash in those days long before the smoking ban. And then there were the carpets. If it wasn't one of the years they were being changed, they had to be deep cleaned. There was a machine brought in for that, but lots of embedded stuff often had to be laboriously lifted off with a putty knife, tar, grit, gum and God knows what else. In the kitchen area, a deep scraping of the deposits that couldn't be reached without taking out all the cooking machines was also one of the seriously nasty, necessary works of the day. 
If Paddy Bath was in action against an old wall that year, we tried to make sure that was done first, and preferably early in the morning, or even after closing the previous night. The amount of dust through the whole place was multiplied, making the cleaning and painting even more awkward. No matter how much the back bar and kitchen areas were covered, it percolated onto and into everything. We tasted that dust too, even in the lunch organised for all concerned by my mother and Carmel Kennedy, our wonderful head cook. Always fish, it being Friday, and a special Catholic Friday at that. But it could be washed down with the beer that wasn't available to everyone outside, which did help enormously. Work continued through the afternoon, the supervisors getting less attentive to the work and more talkative on their usual interests, mostly involving golf, horses, dogs, and all those again and again. By tea time, another lighter meal provided by Carmel, much had been settled. The tree stump tables with a new top coat of varnish, the embedded cigarette ash and other detritus of the previous year now gone the sawing of Carpenter Ned Maloney and the hammering and plastering of Paddy Bath done. Most of whatever additions or renovations they had constructed, ready for revelation to the punters the next day. Refurbishment of parts of the electrical system, always on a knife edge as I remember it, completed as far as was possible. Dad, who had put in as hard a working day as anyone, would settle with the supervisors for a well-deserved Jemson crested ten or two. Their number likely diminished, as the A and B button public phone behind the fireplace would have rung a number of times, spouses wanting their partners back home. It wouldn't be a late night for any of those left. My mother would make sure of that, making her own call at an appropriate time. By eight o'clock or so, the place would be back in the darkness that a Good Friday night in a pub was supposed to be. The closed Good Fridays ended in 2018 when the laws around the day were changed. Although for me the experience finished when I left the business in 1977. For the country's pubs themselves and their customers were now looking back at almost a year of every day being Good Friday, apart from a couple of weeks in late summer, thanks to the coronavirus, with no possibility of getting in on the promise of wielding a hammer or a paintbrush. I'm Brian Byrne. This is Kilcullen Diary. Thanks for listening.